Turn your Bibles with me to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. And you know, when I, when I immediately hear 1 Samuel mentioned, uh, my mind races to a, a young man, a courageous young man, who went up against a giant. And we're not going to preach that passage. That's in chapter 17. But this young man faced some incredible giants after that great victory down in that valley. He picked out five smooth stones, and God led that one stone to pierce that fellow right between the eyes, and he fell straight forward. And then I can see young David, teenage boy, pull out that long, heavy sword and lifted it up and chopped the head off the line. Uh, what a picture that much of, must have been. And I can tell you something, the Israelites were on that hillside there, and they were cheering, they were hooraying, they were excited about what just happened. And then the Philistines were already gathering their goods and running. And they were defeating their, their lead general, uh, leader, fighter, at John the Man, nine feet, nine inches, six inches tall. Uh, when it gets to be that big, it doesn't matter if it's six or nine inches thin. <laughs> nine foot. I just can't imagine. And uh, But he was victorious. But you know, a lot of battles in life for David began. And it was not for a short period of time. It was for a very long period of time. Now my mother-in-law my wife just left. So she's having a little trouble. She, she, her hearing aid, she couldn't hear. And you know what she tells me all the time about every week? She said, Walter, you're one of the few that I can hear and understand. She said when she walked out that she heard this sermon before. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. That was good. That was a good one. <laughs> Help me, Lord. Lord, we got a mean man in this audience tonight. Look at the size of that altar. You can roll that tongue out on there and I think it'll hold it. I you're a nut. I love you. First Samuel. First Samuel 18. First Samuel 18. Okay? Yeah. Um, so David encountered many, many, many more battles. And you know what? When you're going through a crisis, when you're going through a battle, look here, I got four pages to preach from tonight, and I'm not sure which one I'm going to start with, but uh, I'll leave mine here. Look at all of them. I'm just kidding. We will not. <laughs> But when you're going through a tough time, when you're going through a crisis, can I tell you something? You and I typically need a helping hand. We need a helping hand. Um, I'm thankful for a precious wife. God uh, gave me a good one. No, a great one. A great one. Uh, I come up in Sunday school all the time, and I'm always telling my class, about Peggy, my little helper. She's my little helper. I'm always comforted when she's riding with me and I'm driving because she helps me distinguish what color that light is up ahead. 
And then she, she, she's got an eagle eye. I mean, she can tell me 365 feet before I get there, honey, there's a stop sign ahead. You might want to start slowing down, okay? But uh, she's just such a great little helper. You know what? Uh, we had our house and driveway and utility building pressure washed yesterday morning. Now, I had this scheduled for only a few days. I think I scheduled it on Friday. And some people are fanning. If somebody can bump that air conditioning down a little bit for me on both sides, I won't fan, okay? So, you know, not below 65, please, okay? But uh, anyway, we had this lined up. And honest to goodness, I meant to get out there and trim a couple of my trees and trim them back uh, a good bit so that the guys could get to the house to pressure wash it. You know what I mean? And one of them, you couldn't do it without getting on a ladder. And it was a crepe myrtle that just kind of got out of control. Well, the other tree was pretty tall too. And lo and behold, it grown over the, the, uh, the gutter and was touching the roof. And, and, and I never let it get that far before. I want you to know, I uh, told Peggy, I said, when I get home from work, Monday, I said, my first project, I'm going to be home by 5, 5.15, change clothes. I'm going to get out there and get that ladder. And I got home, and my little helper had already trimmed both of those trees. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we need to start a revival of that around our church. <laughs> Don't we, men? Uh, my goodness. Daryl, uh, I can't see Tammy on a ladder with some shears cutting. I, I don't know. I couldn't see Peggy, but buddy, she got up there and did it. Now, she did leave the utility building, and I had about nine shrubs up there that had to be trimmed back, and that's what her thinking was. She said, mm-hmm, I'm done. She said, I'm going in to clean up your second shift. You know, all right, Ralph, I'm going in. All right, we're in. So, uh, but you know what? When you're going through a tough time, there's nothing like a good friend. Nothing like a good friend. I got a little book here. I'm holding my hand. 51 years ago, September, I can't tell you the exact date, but 51 years ago, I bought this book and one other book that went along with it. They were selling them in pairs. And my dad had signed me up for a course, all because bashful me had decided not to go to college when I got out of high school. And I proved my point. I didn't go to college. I laid out a whole year. All my buddies went off to college. Some to Bible colleges, some to Middle Tennessee State University, some Tennessee State University. One, one or two went to Vanderbilt. Uh, so different ones going to college. But I had a good job. I was making a good salary. I had insurance. I was getting in 40 plus hours a week. And I was a, I was a certified German butcher making top dollar in the grocery store. And so I said, this will last forever. My dad kept telling me, said, no, it won't. That type of job will play out and they won't need as many in that line of work as they've got now. Things are going to change in the meat industry. My dad knew all that stuff because he was in the meat business and he worked for Malone and Hyde food distributors and he had an inside track that things were changing and eventually 
the beef that came in on that tractor trailer and we hooked up and we rolled it off the truck and into the meat market and into the cooler that was about 40 degrees all the time and that front quarter and hind, hind quarter of the beef that's what we broke down little bitty me would get my big hacksaw and we would cut that boy and cut it down in parts and then put it on the butcher block and then take a butcher knife and cut it down further and then we put it up on the bandsaw and start cutting it down as we needed to and get it down eventually to a beautiful ribeye steak that you put in that counter. I can do every bit of that. I was a German butcher making top dollar. But Daddy said, one of these days, son, you watch it. Your beef won't be coming into the store like that. The beef's gonna be broken down somewhere and it's gonna come in in boxes. And they won't need near as many people and it won't take near as long. And I said, my dad's a prophet because it happened. It happened. So he convinced me, son, you need to go to college. I said, daddy, I can't do it. I'll have to get up in front of people and give reports. And, 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 and give talks and speeches and I cannot do it. I, I'm shy, I'm bashful, I don't want to do it and I'm afraid of it. And Dad said, okay, I've signed you up for a course. Please go and take it. It cost me a few hundred bucks, but I'm investing in your son and I want you to go. And so I took the Dale Carnegie Public Relations Public Speaking course. How many of you have had that course? There's Nelson that has. All right, Cheryl, you have, good. Yes, sir. How about you, Larry? Did your company send you? Yeah. All right. Okay. They pay for my day. And uh, a lot of people. So, we, you know, we've got four or five vets in here. We've done this. We've done that. And one of the books was by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and What? Influence people. people. And I read the book several times. We went through Did you go through that course? You've read the book. I read the book. Okay, you've read the book. All right. And so I went through that course. It was chapter five that changed my life. I don't know about you, but it was called Coming Out of Your Shell. And I'm telling you what, this little turtle was in his shell. But I busted out of that shell that particular night. And I wish I had the time. I tell you what it was all about. And that's another story. Ask Pastor, let me preach on Wednesday night, and I'll tell you me about me coming out of the shell, okay? And uh, But it worked. It worked. And there were 14 chapters. That was 14 weeks. And I graduated from my program, and I enrolled in college in January when that course was over. And uh, the best friend I ever had in my life was my daddy. I don't know. Could anybody else say that about your father? A few of you. But he truly was. My second best friend, truthfully, was Richard Cordell. And then I've got about 15 more fellows that I can name, and I'll not take the time to do that. This is precious preaching time, and i got to get through. But God has been faithful. He always is. God's been faithful. Give me friends. Um, there have been many times I needed someone to listen to. There have been many times I needed a children cry. I've needed a many a time somebody come and just pat me on the back and say, I'm praying for you. 
And you have too. And you thank God for that. When David came into the castle of King Saul, everything was bright and cheery. He brought his little harp. He would try and comfort the mind of King Saul and play that harp and that beautiful music echoing through the halls of that great palace would soothe him. But it didn't take too long for the honeymoon to pass away. And we all know the story, so we don't have to read everything. It's in chapter 18. But there's some mighty, powerful, and great reading. And that's your homework assignment to try and read that for the next couple of nights and couple of days. You know the story. I'll survey it quickly. But there was a cause that rose. There was a great cause. And that was to defend the honor of our God and to protect the children of Israel being captured and losing a battle with the Philistines and becoming slaves to them. And boy, was there ever a great cause. And that brings that young man who stood there and looked at these thousands and thousands of soldiers of which some of his very own family members, brothers, were in this army and nobody would volunteer to go down in that valley and go and take care of that big cursing rascal that was threatening the children of Israel. And finally, he couldn't take any more. And he took off running towards the king and he marched up to him and he said, I'll go fight him. And you know the story, and it's so funny. Saul was a man that stood head and shoulders over most people. He was a fighter. He was a skillful soldier. The truth of the matter is, he was supposed to be the leader of that army, and he's the very one that you would think would have taken off and taken care of business, but he didn't. He gladly accepted this youth, 15, 16, I don't know how he was for sure, but he was just a boy, but he was a shepherd boy. He was a responsible young man, a hard-working, conscientious kid. And you know what? He had learned to be pretty swift with that sling. And he told his little story to the king and told him how he had killed a lion and a bear. And he said, I can do it. He said, and he told it like it was, what Goliath was. And so the king said, give me my armor, send him on down there. And he said, these were not made for me. I can't do that. But I tell you what I can go with. I can go with the power of the Lord. God's on my side. Me and God make a majority. Amen. And I'm ready to square off with that rascal. And he did pick those five smooth stones. And wonderfully, God got it. That rock, not that he didn't have the skill to do it. That young man could. And God allowed it. And what a great accomplishment. And then we continue, know the story. But there was a great celebration that took place. And when they headed back to town, the women were lining the street. They were cheering. They were joyful. And they began to sing their little song. Saul has killed his thousands. Man, he's killed his thousands. And then they changed the verse and said, and David has killed his what? Ten thousands. Ten thousands. 
And Saul on his horse, riding down through there as proud as could be. I'm the king, I'm their leader, and I have killed my thousands. And they just said, what? David's ten thousands? And the jealousy began to creep in. And from that point on, it began to be a downward spiral for young David. And he couldn't please the king, whatever he did. And then he moved from being disgruntled and angry about that, and he wanted to do what to him? Kill him. Just rid of him. Just kill him. Then he eventually convinced his soldiers, we're going to kill him. We're going to get rid of this guy. And uh, you're talking about becoming a fugitive and living a very, very hard, difficult. I can't relate. I lay in bed and think about it sometimes all he experienced and, and had to go through. But praise the Lord, there was a man. There was a man who took interest in David. I suspect he was a tad older than David. The ironic thing about the whole story is this. He was in line to become the next king of Israel. And yet, David told him, Samuel has visited my home. Samuel talked to my father. He talked to all of my brothers. And then he talked to me last of all. And he anointed me and told me, son, one day you're going to be the king of Israel. I don't know if he told him he'll be the next. But he already told, he told his friend, Jonathan, I am going to be a king one day of this nation. And you know what? Jonathan had such admiration and respect for him. And Jonathan began to admire and respect him for what he did for Israel. I, I think about the characteristics of this friendship and this fellowship. Jonathan was a man of his word. Jonathan told him, said, I'll do my best to help you and protect you from my own father. And he did. And to think he sided against his own flesh and blood. And so did his wife that was presented to him from King Saul. She even worked to save his life from King Saul. He was courageous. What a risk he took at doing what he did for young David. He was a friend. He was a strong soldier. He was admired and respected. He was unselfish. Jonathan was loved and respected by the people. And Jonathan made a promise to help David all that he could, and he did significantly. You know, it is, it is described as one of the greatest friendships that has ever occurred. I've said myself several times. I want friends, and I want to be a friend. I don't know what I'll do in a crisis. I'm not sure how I'll handle it, but I know this. I want to be somewhat like a Jonathan. I want to love people. I want to encourage people. I want to help people. I want to support people. And I pray I never am in a circumstance anything like this. But here was a great man who was an amazing friend. My challenge to you tonight is simply this, folks. 
Be a friend. Be a friend. Jesus is the greatest friend you and I have ever had. Amen. Look at the price it cost him. But he did it willfully and gladly and aren't we glad tonight for that great sacrifice he made for us.